Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we jump into this episode, just wanted to make you aware that on our website, bythehood.com, we have a free webinar on an intro to the stock market. So please go check it out. Just go to bythehood.com and you'll get the free intro to the stock market webinar. Take it easy and enjoy this episode. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast or webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. Just want to say thank you to anyone who supports anything that we've got going on. And a special shout out to all the students from By the Hood University, as well as all the youth from the By the Hood Ownership Camp. Um, speaking of the By the Hood Ownership Camp, camp is coming up this summer. It'll be the last week of June and all of July. Um, but we also have a black tie event coming up June 18th here in the city of Philadelphia. I will put links about that black tie event, which is, um, you know, being put on by better than success as well as Philadelphia real estate week as a way to support the work that we're doing with our ownership camp. And for those who don't know, our ownership camp is free from kids ages five and up, you know, teaches about personal finance. Uh, we talk about real estate stocks, crypto. So it's for the kids and it's absolutely free. Um, but it's, it's being supported by some good folks this year. So, Make sure you take a look at um, this black tie event that we have coming up. I uh, just want to say thank you to everyone who supports what we got going on, though. My partner, Core, is not here today. But, you know, our show is designed to highlight brothers and sisters who are putting out positive energy, building businesses, just doing great work in the community. Um, and his brother I have right here, I can't wait for him to tell his story. Uh, actually, we met at a community event. He was doing some work as where we um, for and shout out to everybody from, uh, you know, City Athletics here in Philadelphia. We were speaking to the youth about, you know, our different journeys. And I, and I heard his story and I said, man, I want to share this on the podcast because there's not too many people that look like us who are in this space. So, you know, I would just love to, for him to share his story and, um, you know, talk about it. So without further ado, man, we got the good brother, Karan Jay on Karan. How are you, good brother? Hey, hey, what's going on, Jimmy? I'm doing pretty well. Yourself? Oh, man. Thank you for, uh, you know, sharing, you know, some of your time. That's our most viable asset. So I just want to say thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to yeah. be here. Listen, so um, your story was very inspiring and, and you know, um, I, I can't wait for you to share with our audience. But let's start with this, though. Where are you um, from? Where are you uh, born and raised? I'm born and raised in Philadelphia, uh, Mount Airy section of Philadelphia. OK, so what schools did you uh, go to coming up? Uh, I went to Roxborough High School and I graduated from Germantown High School. Also went to Houston Elementary uh, and uh, Lotus Academy in middle school. Okay. Yeah. So. so what kind of student were you coming up? I was a class clown, problem child, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I used to, I used to, but as I got older, I started using my bad for good, you know, start mm -hmm. tapping into the, the the good thing that I was doing as I was growing up, you know. Al although I was like a class clown, I was getting in trouble a lot. I always was in the fashion, I always could dress. So as I got older, that's one of the things that I start, you know, embracing. And that actually kind of made me turn my, my attitude and my demeanor to a positive. Okay, good stuff. So what were what were the plans when you were coming up? So when you when you finished at Germantown, um, did you have any plans at that moment of what you wanted to do? Uh, honestly, like a lot of my friends that I was around at the time, like they didn't want to go to college. So, you know, I say like you hang around uh, nine successful people, like nine, the number nine successful people and you're the 10th one, you're going to be successful. So a lot of people I was hanging around at the time wasn't really interested in going to college. So I only applied to a community college and I went there and went to community college for a semester from September to December. 
and I didn't uh, finish. I, I I dropped out and I started working because uh, my mindset wasn't there. You know, I didn't really have a goal or aspiration to, to be, you know, to tap into my, my education further after high school. So uh, but that also prepared me for for my life journey that I'm still on to, to this day. So I only have a, a few a few months of college experience in my life. But uh, since then, it, it, you know, it allowed me to have a better hustle mentality, a, a better, you know, uh, go out there and get it, you know, uh, and and I appreciate the my journey. And I wouldn't, you know, change it for the world. I, I would love to have experienced that that real college, you know, networking, the real college uh, in the dorm room, you know, that brotherhood, that community aspect of going to college. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't my experience, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and that's, everybody has their own journey, and you you go through things for a reason. So, when you left community, you said you started working. How did you actually get into entrepreneurship? Was it while you were working you decided to start focusing on the fashion? How'd that come about? Well, my father, he's he's always been in the fashion industry for over twenty years, uh, twenty plus years. Uh, most people know him for one of his biggest attributes, which was uh, Meskeen. So, mm-hmm. uh, if anybody heard of, know about Meskeen, Meskeen was like. Uh, real popular in the early 2000s. Uh, so growing up, I was uh, working with him and, and his partners and things of that nature. So I always was on, around fashion growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as I got older with myself, you know, this me being a, a melting pot of so many different other individuals that I've been around in my life and my father, my mother, my my uncles, my, my, my friends and family, you know, I started to, to, to partake in, you know, getting dressed and, and realizing that, you know, I can take this further. So I started styling other people. I started styling my friends first for when they was going out to their proms or when they started to, uh, they wanted to go out to, on a date or something like that. I was the one that was like helping them get dressed so they can look good for when they go places. So, uh, and I started getting a lot of attention from this, you know, be, me being unique, having different type of uh, uh, demeanor, different type of etiquette, different type of uh, a fashion sense and it opened up, up a lot of doors for me as I was uh, going throughout my journey. So just me understanding that I, I was able to, in 2010, that's when I ended up starting my own, uh, my brand. You know, I was mm-hmm. hanging around with a bunch of different people, a bunch of different guys, uh, two guys in particular. One guy, he was an older guy that actually, I went to school with his daughters and they used to always tell me like, Hey, his name is Taji, by the way. So Taji, uh, his daughter used to always say, uh, you know, I want you to meet my dad. You will, you will love him. You will, I want you to meet my dad. And I was in high school and I was, I was always a little different, but I wasn't like to the point where I was like, oh, I don't want to really meet nobody, uh, uh, no guy's dad. Like, I don't, it's cool. I'm, I'm good where I'm at. <laughs> but so years later, I ended up meeting his dad because I was working at my dad's clothing store in uh, Shellingham Mall. And I'm like, oh, you, you, you the pop? I seen him fly old head. I'm like, okay, yeah. He told me to come past his spot. I went past his spot, checked it out. He had, he had a whole spot, a whole house uh, designed with art, furniture, fashion. Like, it was just amazing. I'm like, wow, this is, it's in the backyard, in my backyard. I'm like, this whole time it's like, so I just was getting exposed to a lot more things. Uh, then I had another mm-hmm. friend of mine who I was inspired by named Latif. He's a singer songwriter. And, uh, he was the first person to ever call me king. So, and I'm thinking to myself, like, why are you even calling me a king? You know, I don't have king-like pockets. I, I'm not sitting on the throne nowhere, but it's more so about the mind. You know, your, your mindset uh, dictates your reality. So 
and you know he start he he used the word king as a word of endearment instead of using the n words that we so commonly use. You know, instead of calling yeah. somebody a nigga, you know, I'm calling you a king. What does a king represent? Power, strength, leader, uh, a man. You know, uh, somebody that's focused, someone that has uh, uh, just a, a vision, some goals in mind. So those type of things is something that I I am I, I embraced. So I start calling myself a king, and I realized that. I'm good by myself, but I'm even greater with like-minded individuals around me that have the same type of mindset or the same type of goal. Or so I realized that kings rule together. And because I'm I'm sitting here with this guy right here who's an older guy, he's he's giving he's he's bringing me something that I don't have. I'm giving him something that he don't have. My homie Latif, he's giving me something that he doesn't have, but I'm giving him something that he don't have. So it's like, but together as a collective, we are 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 powerful. So just coming up with that concept right there, that's when I changed my whole way of thinking. I changed my my mindset, my my reality, and I, and I, how I always like to phrase it is I, I use the word to turn the word to a lifestyle, a lifestyle to a, a, a business. Well, I turn a, a word to a lifestyle, a lifestyle to a brand, and a brand to a business. Simply off of just changing my way of thinking and hanging around certain type of individuals. Man, that's powerful stuff, man. And for those who don't know, like Mesquite was huge, right? Yeah. Um, I'm Philly, so I, I, you know, you know, I know how big it was back in the day. Like Mesquite was a, a big thing, and it wasn't just a Philly thing, too. So yeah, it wasn't. Um, yeah, Mesquite was a huge brand. Um, but also one of the things that uh, I think is 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 dope is, um, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you have your business, but you acknowledge those that inspire to help you along your journey. Um, because a lot of people call themselves self-made, and I don't think anybody's really self-made. Um, so I think it's important to acknowledge, you know, specifically our old heads or people that, you know, um, give us energy or pour into us to help us get to where we are. So I think that's dope um, to remember those folks. Um, and so then you get into the brand, right, of Kings Rule Together, right, um, which is a fire name, by the way, uh, Kings Rule Together. Um, Thank you. So when you first started that, what was your first like, uh, you know, when you first got into the fashion with your own brand of Kings Rule Together? What was that step like? What is the first thing you put out? Was it a shirt? Was it a hat? Like, what, what was that journey like? The, the first thing I put out was a uh, a t-shirt. I had a, a a cookout with maybe like five hundred people coming out, and this was like, I'm like, yeah, this is my this is what I'm gonna release the jersey, release the t-shirts. Uh, actually, m one of my uncles he gave me the, the the bunch of t-shirts for free. He said, look, I got these t-shirts in here. You can have them. You know, I'm like, oh, I bet. So now that I cut the cost. I printed out all these white t-shirts and I was looking forward to selling all of them at the uh, cookout. I didn't sell any of them at the cookout. So <laughs> I know because uh, everybody was there for, for other reasons until that yeah. day. I mean, and, and, and since that day, moving forward now, when I do have events or, or when I do have things and I want people to buy stuff, I don't really, I don't drink myself. So I don't even like really offer drinks. It's like, look, I want you to come out here to buy. I want you to come out here to do this. My purpose is different now. Since that day, I already put some in my mind. Like, okay, I know when people come out to have a good time. If they really want to have a good time, they're not focused on on the other stuff. That I that's really the main. But that's really the main goal. So anyway, that was really a big learning experience for you, then, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, and 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 from that from that point, I knew I I had a, a budget of how much money I spent for the stuff. So I made sure that I made my money back. So I ended up giving out all these T-shirts for the most part to people around the city, influential people that I knew, people that, you know, that I was, I was cool with, but I made sure I made maybe like the $200 or whatever. I forget how much money I spent. I need to find that out for sure. Cause that, that's a good uh, a number to remember. Uh, but I made sure that I made that money back and I gave it all out. 
So now everybody had the t-shirts on. It said Kings Inspired Kings was my logo. I actually got like uh, this one of my it's a painting right here. Okay. Things right here. So it was pretty much this, but it said Kings Inspired Kings. And uh it was on a white t-shirt. So so for like the first couple of years, I only had white t-shirt and black t-shirt. You couldn't get it in no other color. Uh and then years later I ended up coming out with a gray. And I never even come out with another color since then. So now to this day, you know, more than a decade later, I can come out with that same t-shirt with a red, a blue, a green, a yellow, whatever the case may be, off of one design. So, mm-hmm. and my whole purpose of like, you know, just bringing out one design and one color at the time was because I wanted to brand it as that. So I can have some more longevity with what I was trying to do. Because a lot of times I realized, and also just me pay attention to people that came before me or what I see what works and what doesn't work. I see a lot of people may have out one design and they just flood the streets with all the colors. Like, oh, you can get red, blue, yellow, green. Oh, can I get a custom? No, you can't get a custom. So now it's like, for instance, I, I drive a Jeep and a Jeep Wrangler. So when you see somebody with a Jeep, you, you put up the, the, the deduces and everybody's like, it's a community. So when everybody's mm-hmm. seen, and this is me thinking about it right now. I never thought about this until, until right now. But when now when people saw everybody with the white T-shirt on, they knew like, OK, yeah. All right. What's up, brother? I see you. You know, you know, KRT, you know, Karan. We are yeah. connected some, some, somehow, some way because everybody had the same T-shirt for a long time. Then I start bringing out other other T-shirts after that, which was like the Unity Design, uh, Living the King's Vision, uh, the Young King. So the whole concept of the KRT brand was and still is is fashion through positivity. You know, uh, using uh, words of of of, of endearment, powerful words with with, with meeting with, with substance and making it cool. Because at the time, there wasn't really nobody really, you know, promoting. Uh, calling each other kings or queens or or, or pushing something of a, a positive substance. Mm-hmm. And, and we was at the forefront of that. And now it's like, I go to the mall and they got king, queen, you know, or everybody yeah. like it's flooded everywhere, all over the place. Uh, and which is a good, it's like, I may not actually get the credit for starting this type of movement, but I know for sure that I was the in the forefront of, of pushing that agenda to the masses and, and changing people's mindsets and, and mentalities. And, uh, inspiring uh the masses for real yeah and that's that's powerful man one thing i want to talk about is because you have you had a successful clothing line you still do but you made a um, a huge pivot with your business right um into the cycling industry as a matter of fact i don't know if you could see this but i'm i'm, I'm actually sitting here with it, reading the magazine that you were on a cover of right yeah and um you're on the cover of this magazine for for uh you know your king's rule together like you know cycling club um so talk about having the fashion line, right? And then making that transition. How did you get into cycling and, wh- and what was that like? Did you have this vision all along or is it something that, you know, just happened as, as part of your lifestyle? It, it happened part of my lifestyle. Uh, like, for instance, I play basketball, so I have a pair of basketball shorts, you know, that I brought out or we had we used to have basketball tournaments. So it's like KRT was always based off the things that I like to do. And other people like to do it as well, you know. So we just uh, embodied a lot of things that, you know, into a brand. So we said uh, KRT basketball, KRT cycling, KRT golf, KRT. So KRT can really embody anything that it wants to be. Uh, if we have those people that are interested in doing those type of things. So I started cycling in 2017 as a form of therapy, as you know, something that I seen my friends doing. They was getting they was 
they got uh they got uh they lost weight from cycling i'm like okay well that's something i might might want to do and i didn't look at it as a as a long-term thing that i would really turn into what it is today i just looked at it as something that is a hobby but all my mm-hmm. things are typically a hobby but now i'm turning my hobby into a career and that's what's you know a lot of youth a lot of people of of, of color too uh, once we realize that you can turn something that you do for fun and, and and do it for a lifetime, you know, that's when you start looking at things differently. So once I realized the impact that I had or the impact that we could have, when I, once we went to that first ride, we did 65 miles from Philadelphia, Atlantic City, New Jersey, and they had thousands of people out there, all type of different color jerseys on. They blocked off the Ben Franklin Bridge. I'm like, oh, this is big. You know, this is. And then I, I didn't see nobody of color that, that looked like us with, with, with swag like us, with like style like us, with anything. So I'm like, you know what? We can do this. And then once I seen other people that came before me and what they was able to do and what they're doing over there in the West Coast. So it's like a few years back, I'm, I'm dreaming about, yo, though, these guys over there, they're, they're amazing. They're, oh, we got to be like them. Now I'm in conversation with them. Now I'm uh, over there and they they follow us on Instagram or, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, they, they buying our stuff and they reposting us. So it's like, it's definitely a blessing to see the growth where, you know, I didn't really have a vision for it, but being a visionary, you adapt the vision as you, as you go along with whatever it is that you, that you are, are doing at the time. Yeah. I think that's dope. Right. So one of the things you said is about doing what makes you happy or doing what you love. Right. So you've created a brand around all the things that you enjoy, right? Whether it's fashion, whether it's art, whether it's, um, you know, uh, basketball, now cycling. Um, and that's something I think a lot of our youth don't focus on a lot of times is what makes them happy. They, they you know, they go into professions and things because they think it's going to make them money and not necessarily bring them joy. But what you found is by following the things that bring you joy, you still can, you know, create revenue and build a business for yourself. I think that's dope. Um and that's very inspiring and should be inspiring to anyone listening or watching that you can actually do that. Now, um, getting into the cycling business, though. Thank you. Thank I, you. Who was it that introduced you to cycling? So uh, at my, I used to go to a barbershop. Well, I still go to a barbershop at uh, Wild Styles at Germantown and Haynes. And uh, three of my friends in there, you know, all barbers, one of them in particular, Hassan, he he uh, he was the one that got a lot smaller. So him. And and Ryan, who's the other guy that's on the cover of the Grid magazine, he he uh, they started to uh, cycle first. So they said, "Yo, yeah, come out, you know, come out next Sunday." I, I brought my my brother's mountain bike, went around Kelly Drive, West West River Drive, did like one loop, and I was cooked. I was done, and I wasn't even I wasn't even really done. I was done more so because of the type of bike I had and the type of bike that they had. So that inspired me mm-hmm. to like, you know what? I gotta get. I gotta go and find another bike because if because I'm a competitive guy, so if I see these guys around doing uh, moving and shaking, I want to be on the same type of level. It's like they're inspiring me. I, I'm, I need to be on that level. We all gonna hang around each other. So that's when I went on like a two week, you know, a search of trying to find a you know a better bike. And my budget at the time was only two hundred fifty dollars. So I went to Dicks. I seen a bike that was two hundred fifty dollars, a red bike. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back. Once I started doing more research, I realized that the bike that I needed to get had to be at least a thousand dollars. And you know, typically, especially coming from where we come from, you know, spend a thousand dollars is a car. So I'm about to spend a thousand dollars. I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't think that that's not really it. But I was trying to work on my credit. So 
I, I found a place that did financing interest free for 12 years for 12 months. I'm like, oh, I bet that's the perfect dynamic right there. So I ended up buying a bike that was originally 1500. I got it for 1100, paid it off within a year. That year before the year came around, I was able to give the bike back and upgrade to a bike that was 2000 and I paid 1500 for, and I just paid the difference of the cost. And now mm-hmm. third year, I, I got a, a, I became the first Trek ambassador. Trek is a, is a global uh, cycling uh, company. I became the first uh, brand ambassador for that company. And now I have a $7,000 bike that I got for free as well as another member of the club got a $10,000 bike for free from being a part of uh, our club and a, uh, a, a truck ambassador. And then also I'm, I'm waiting for my second bike right now. Cause each, each year that I'm with the, uh, the, the ambassador program, I would get a, a bike for free and these bikes and, and bikes aren't cheap, but you can get a cheaper bike. So, but I'm getting a top level bike from being an influencer, from being a, a man that pushes the agenda with the cycling industry, mm-hmm. uh, that, that doesn't look like the typical people that are pushing the agenda. Yeah, you know, that's that's interesting because, when, you know, when you were speaking to the kids and you were talking about the prices of bikes, and I knew bikes could be expensive, but you start talking about 10 grand. I'm like, hold up. That's a, that's a whip. You go to auction, get something real nice for 10 grand. Yeah, I'm like, yo, $10,000 bikes. I mean, you know, and one of the things like from listening to your story and I, and I read the magazine and everything is it, it um, cycling is a culture. It's its own culture. It has its own vocabulary. It has its own everything. And, you know, I'm pretty sure, like from reading your story in the magazine and everything that, and, and something you also just said, um, there aren't too many people that look like us in the cycling culture. So how have you been embraced by the culture or or how is it bringing folks into the culture? So the thing is, excuse me, with, with most things, there are people that's a part of a sport. It's just not necessarily being promoted and marketed in a way that people can appreciate and understand. So like, for instance, we it's a club called uh, Major Taylor. So Major Taylor uh, was the first black uh, champion, I think in 1989, excuse me if I'm wrong. So uh, he, he has, a, he has a, uh, they have a cycling club based off his name and they have over 40,000 probably cyclists all over the world. And okay. But the demographic is maybe like 51 on up because a lot of people that are cycling is, a, is just like it's normally an older man's sport or a white man's mm-hmm. sport. So now you have people like myself who's coming in that's in that uh, 35 age age range or, you know, now the 25 age range or even the younger generation. So now, you know, we are able to show other people that look like us that, you know, this sport is available for you as well. And also you can have a different type of life and a certain type of life outside of the sport, you know? And cause for, for me, honestly, I never, I, I used to hate uh drop down handlebars, like road bikes. I never mm-hmm. wanted that type of bike. Uh, but now I know the importance of it. So it comes back to like educating the importance of why you probably need a bike, why you need this type of bike, why you wear this type, these type of clothes. Why are we, why are we riding a hundred miles within a week? Why, why are you riding a hundred miles within a day? You know, uh, and showing that, you know, because the thing is, a lot of people are not going to make it to the NBA. A lot of people are not going to make it to the NFL. And we have more people that it's a, it's a oversaturated market. So now if you take those same talents and push it over to cycling, lacrosse, soccer, badminton, whatever the case may be, now you are closing the gap where, where you can probably be more successful at something versus 
hopping on something where everybody is doing. And we're so yes. talented. You know, it's nothing that our culture cannot do. We push that. We push the agenda. We push the 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 creativity. We push the the style, the swag. That that comes a no brainer. You know what I'm saying like this is what we do. That's that's by nature. So, you know, us having that ability to do those type of things, we need to open up our mind to more things that we can uh, accomplish. So, you know, and because like technically we don't ever promote our membership. We don't promote. We just promote our lifestyle. We promote the things that we do. Like we just came back from Jamaica. Uh, we, we we ride our bikes in Miami, Atlanta, Charlotte, New Hampshire, Vermont. We're going to Montana this year. We plan on going to Columbia. You know what I'm saying? So I already, I, I've been love to travel. I've been to a lot of these places before I even uh, rode my bike or got into cycling. But now I'm able to travel to these places with my bike. It's a different type of experience. And also we have a community of people that are like-minded, that are young professionals, all walks of lives from all, all age all age groups, all age brackets, you know, and mm -hmm. we come together for the love of cycling, but also we if you if you're with somebody for two to three days out the week riding your bike, that becomes your friend. That becomes your family. You know, we have each other's back. We have each other's we want to make sure everybody's safe. We want to make sure everybody goes home at the end of the night. Uh so we're also breaking down barriers because of that. We uh, a lot of people that look like us haven't really engaged into owning their own Having having ownership within the sport, me being a visionary, I'm like, okay, how can I create a better experience for myself and the people that I'm I'm with? So that's when we start doing our own manufacturing, which allows us to uh, open up the the gates a little bit more within the industry. So now we are we have we can, we, we can we have our foot on the pulse with producing our own kits, with uh, designing our own things, with having more uh, say so of what we like and what we like to 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 desire for our people. And it also is like it shares the black dollar. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. I'm always about supporting people that look like me, support, support people that come to support me or, or come around my establishments or know that, okay, if I go to this black owned restaurant, if I go to this or I, or I go to this black owned uh, barbershop, outside of the typical things that we may actually always, always see, because you always gonna know you're going to have a black barbershop, you have a black daycare. Of course, you're going to have a, a Jamaican restaurant because they black. What about the other things that we have that aren't black that you don't typically know about? How how do we go about supporting these type of things? So one of the struggles that has been with this is people are so used to spending their money with the the white man, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. that's what you're used to, but now that you have people like myself who are opening up the doors for us to uh, to have a bigger voice, once you have that, and once the quality is established as it's a good quality or it's a, it's, a, it's a good message, a good brand. It, it should be no reason why we still going to these other people when we have our own. Absolutely, you know absolutely. Yeah. But you, that that takes a while to change people's mindsets. You know what I'm saying? So also, how do we cater to the people that love that other type of stuff? How do we cater to the people that you know are used to just spending money with those other type of people? Sometimes we don't really know or recognize that you know what I should spend my money with the, the black man because the black man is gonna. I'm riding with my people. I'm I'm yes. traveling with my people. We spend money with Gucci. We spend money with Louis Vuitton. They're not coming to our restaurants. They're not coming to, they're not doing anything with us. So I like to do, I always been a person of like support the locals. And that yes. I, have, I have adapted that to the people that came before me. We used to mm -hmm. have a shirt, t-shirt with my dad and and and, and, uh, and my, my old head Tafik used to have support the locals because support the local businesses. And that's how we establish a better uh 
a family tree, a, a, a dynamic of, of successful people by supporting the people that's around us versus mm -hmm. you know, going to the outside because we always go to the Asian restaurants, the, uh, the Italian restaurants, uh, the all, Indian restaurants, mm -hmm. we go to everything else, but do they ever come to us? So it's like, yep. we make everybody else rich, but we never make ourselves rich because we always giving the money to everybody else but the people that, that are closest by us. But at the same time, we have to make sure that the people that we are supporting, that is us, have this stuff together. Because it's not about, oh, because you're Black, then I'm going to give you my money. If you're Black and you're doing the things that you need to do and, it's just, and it, it looks good, the presentation is good, good customer service, that goes all, across the board for whoever whoever you are, mm -hmm. whatever color, whatever skin color you are. So, Yeah, and, and also, if, if, if it's not up to par in terms of quality of customer service, I think it's important for us to have like real conversations about that, right? Like, um, you know, because people are quick to criticize, but not really offer help or support. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I think that's important. But what, what you said is amazing. What you're talking about is creating community. You know, you, that it's, it's so much in that because you guys start riding together and don't. It's probably the most amazing networking you can do too. Because when you guys all, you probably come from all different walks of life, doing all kinds of businesses and other different things. So. Um, it's probably the most amazing network too, right? It, it is. And that's, and that's one of the things I try to promote the most about, like, we have an amazing community, like so many successful people, entrepreneurs, real estate, uh, agents, real estate, uh, owners, people who have a hundred properties, people that own, uh, hotels, people that own Amazon fleets, people that are just like lawyers, doctors, you name it, you know, mm -hmm. and it's a melting pot of, 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 of power. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like when you when you when you get all these people together, and the thing of what and actually I learned this back in the day too when I used to throw parties and I used to do events back in the day. Uh, before I start throwing events, I used to throw parties. But what I realized was we used to have people that was artists, designers, painters, you know, all types of stuff at the parties. But because the music was so loud, because everybody was there for a different reason, you didn't get to tap into what this person and really utilize that resource. So yeah. what we started doing was creating networking events so people can come out and you can actually hear this person. You can see this person. You can have a conversation with this person. You can have vendors. We used to call that Arts, Beats, and Eats. I used to do that with my, my homie Shahid. And uh, we had an amazing time at these events, and it was more productive, and people still talk about it to this day. So moving forward to the day, it's like, how can you create a space where you can utilize each other's resources so you know, like, oh, yeah, that if I need – uh uh a doctor we have a member in the club that is a doctor and he can help you out or a dentist or whatever the case may be so it's really just knowing who's around you and how you can utilize that resource yeah that's powerful that's powerful so i know that you have the uh king's rule together like cycling club but uh, you also have like queen's rule together um so um how how long has that been around and, and what was the impetus of to, to start the queen's uh rule together well that started in 2020 it's uh and it really started because the 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 women started reaching out to us about, hey, uh, do y'all ever do queens? Do y'all ever have a, a, a women's ride? And and most things I pay attention to, but it's never like that's what my initial goal was. So I started paying attention to the people that was wanted to be a part of this. And we was like, okay, one day we just had a, maybe like five or six uh, women come out. And that's when it, it originally started. And then as time went on, you know, we started getting them uniforms you know we started uh promoting them and putting them on a pedestal it just it blossomed to what it is now 
uh, and then the, and the, the queens, they have even a stronger bond because, you know, they do uh, stretching, yoga, uh, game nights, tea parties. They, you know, they do so much more outside of just the cycling. We do stuff too, but the guys, you know, we might just go play ball or we might just, you know, do other things. But, you know, the women, they they're, they have, a I feel like, a stronger sense of community and unity because they have a lot more things they, they touch on. And, you know, they, they're more intentional about stuff. And mm -hmm. I think uh, it's important that we did separate from – Instead of because a lot of clubs, a lot of people just always have like one male club and then the women ride with the, the men or the, the or the women do things with the men. We have KRT and QRT. So QRT has their own identity and that allows them to have a bigger presence, a, a, a bigger impact. And now we have over 100 uh, women that's a part of our club. And, and the thing is, we have people from all over. So we started off based in Philadelphia and that was the original goal was just to have group rides every Sunday. Now we do at least four rides a week. And we also have over 250 members in multiple states and three uh, countries. Wow. That's, that's powerful, man. You, you've built an international business, right? <laughs> also your hobby. That's, 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 that's fire. Also yeah. what I like about it is um in, in reading and, and looking up your stuff and, and looking at your Instagram is the fashion sense that you've brought into um like the cycling outfits, right? Um, and I, and I, when I was reading the magazine, you were talking about how before you got in, you didn't know uh, why people wore the tight pants or why they had like the padded shorts. You're like, what is that? But <clears throat> you've taken that and brought your style and your fashion sense to um, to cycling. How has that been embraced like by the people who are probably like, you know, the stodgy older people that have been cycling for a while? How do they look at, you know, what you've brought in terms of like style and stuff like that? I think that's one of the number one things that may get overlooked but may also be the the biggest impact that we're having within the within the industry because of you know because how we look because the numbers that we bring you know everybody looking good they feeling good you know that's that's my whole thing dress how you want to be be addressed you know so if you go out there even even if you don't look like you are a uh even if you have, if you aren't that skilled or you know that good of a rider you're still going to look like you are that good of a rider because of the outfit that you have on. So, and also because you see other people that uh, that came before you. And also the thing is we offer bigger sizes too. Most companies are are normally targeted to people that are slimmer, you know, or people that are, are uh, it's more like a, a elitist. So people that I guess typical look like they supposed to ride a bike, but we offer yeah. bigger sizes too, because we know that our women are bigger, our guys are bigger. You know, we might even have bigger muscles or whatever the case may be. So, you know, we go up to a six X in our in our in our jerseys. We go up to a five X in our bombs and certain 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 occasions, uh, because we wanted we wanted to see more people uh, on the bike, and we definitely got embraced by a lot of people because we are young, we are black, we are coming in with. And we're taking pictures, you know, we're taking pictures, we're doing videos, we're traveling, you know, we're really making it look fun. On top of that, we're looking good. So the kits are, and that's what it's called, a kit. It's a jersey and, and, a, and a cycling bib, in the bib, which is the shorts. You know, uh, we typically, you know, myself, I probably would never wear, have worn that when I was younger because I, I, I didn't know the importance of it. But that's where it comes back to education. You educate on people on why you need to wear this, why you need to wear the top. Why you you know you need to wear this type, certain type of shoes? Why you should wear a helmet? You know what I'm saying? Like, I wish, especially the, the, the younger generation with the, the Willie Boys and all that type of stuff. Like, it's it's people that get hurt wearing a helmet. It's people that that uh, that get hurt 
or, or, or die by just being in a bike lane. So, you know, you're doing all these tricks and turns and all this type of stuff. It's like, you're not only putting yourself in danger, you're putting your people that are around you too. So one of the things that we also like to promote is, is safety because yeah. we, like I said, we want people to get, come home at night, come back how you came. So we promote safety, road rules, helmets, you know, uh, cause it's, it's important, you know what I'm saying? And, and your, your brain is your number one investment. So that's one of the things we like to promote as well. Yeah. And, um, one of the things that, you know, you mentioned is like, you know, you also had been embraced by like certain celebrities who wear the brand, um, who love your brand? Like who were some of the folks that, uh, you know, embraced your brand? And, and I, I, I got a couple of questions. Who were some of the celebrities that embraced your brand and who were like the more shocking ones? Like, Oh, wow. So, so from back in the day, from, uh, from original KRT, we had LeBron James, Bow Wow, Marshall Ambrosius. Uh, the first one I ever wore was Terrence, Terrence J, who was the host of Wilson Park. Mm -hmm. uh, he wore three he, three times on, on there. Uh, Erica Badu, uh, Jaden Smith. Yeah. Danny Garcia, local, uh, uh, not a local boxer, but mm -hmm. he's from trying to think who else we had at least like 10 people uh who, who was the one that you were who was the one that you were shocked with like oh damn well you know they know about our brand who i was shocked I, honestly i wasn't really shocked I, I was more happy than shocked because the thing mm -hmm. is like when you when you're doing the work like i feel like good things are going to come to you or if you, you treat people how you want to be treated things is going to come to you so you know and the thing is, like, I always supported people and I always, you. you know, uh, connected the dots with certain people. I always put myself in position to have those type of results. None of this stuff happened just because, oh, I just, oh, yeah, they, they just love the brand. Like, no, like I, I went out there. I tried to get to the person or I connected with the stylist. So it's like, or I reached out to these people. You know, things was actually it was more of a strategy than, than just some luck, you know. So like with uh, so more recently. We had Ray Allen, uh, where the brand first was Reggie Miller. So how Reggie Miller happened was, you know, we we tagged him in a couple things. You know, we, we tagged him in some, some some of the stuff we did. He reposted us. He started showing love. I did a video of me shooting a basketball at a court, and I tagged him. He he reposted me. He went on live. I, I requested to be on his live. He added me on his live. You know, but that's because he was asked. So he was asking questions about basketball. And he was letting people get on there who who uh who wanted to, to chime in. I I asked to be a part of it. He let me in, but he already was familiar with me because I already planted them seeds. Gotcha. So it's kind of like it was just all love, you know what I'm saying? So you like, the, basically, you put the work in uh, in order for these things to happen, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. The work gotcha. So so once people see Reggie Miller got it on and Reggie Miller showing us love, we promoting that he's showing us love. It's kind of like a snowball effect because the thing is. Who's who's not looking at Reggie Miller's story? Mm -hmm. LeBron. If you want to go, all, you got Bill Russell. You got Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we can go down the list. You got all types of people that's probably looking at Reggie Miller's story. Shaq. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it's a list of people that looking at Reggie Miller's story. And then you got Ray Allen. So then Ray Allen, it's the same type of people. Steph Curry yeah. probably looking at that. You know what I'm saying? So not people you. see it. So then after him, we got Maverick Carter. And some people, for those who don't know, Matt Carter is LeBron right hand man. Mm -hmm. So he's the one that the, all the like the business plays and stuff like that. That's what that's what he does. So Matt Carter 
uh, wears it as well. So yeah. all this stuff is really like, and the thing is because cycling is a lifelong sport, basketball, football, all these other things that we play constantly is not. Not saying that you can't do it when you're older, but it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot harder. It's people out there cycling that's 80 years old. Yeah. You know? Plus, my oldest member part of our club is 60, 64. So so after a lot of the, the, the retired athletes from basketball, football, after they finish uh, uh, playing ball, they're like, yo, what can I do? They start cycling. So we got so many athletes. We got Emmett Smith, Bo Jackson, Ray Lewis, Warren Sapp, you know. Uh, and I guess when they get in the space, you'd have, you know, they found someone that looks like them that is in the space, you know, doing what you got to do. And again, your stuff looks better than everybody else too, right? Because you, because you know, culture, culture matters. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, that's dope. That's the, and that's why I wanted you to tell your story because like, you know, um, there, like you mentioned, there's a lot of us who are in the real estate or who are in these certain things, but it's not too often you find a, a black owned business in cycling. So yeah. I think that's powerful because um, I had a crazy experience, right? So, you know, shout to Down North Pizza. Um, and the brother has been on a podcast as well. But yeah. I went, I went to Down North that's Pizza. My, that's my uncle. Okay, okay. Yeah. I've been on the pod. All right, you know, <laughs> yeah. didn't even know that, right? But yeah. anyway, so I went down there, you know, to support a cop the pizza, and then I went into like a black-owned comic book store, right? And then and I was only going there to buy a comic from a brother I know who wrote a comic who's a black-owned comic. I was like, yo, these are like I got a black-owned pizza from a black comic book store reading a black comic i said yo this is dope like you know what i mean because these are things that you know we generally just aren't in right yeah. and um so i thought that was dope but I, I you know hearing your story is amazing too because again there's not too many people that look like us who were in this culture and are doing amazing things so um before we get out of here i got a couple more questions though um along this journey from where you started to where you are now with the, you know a club that's international what would you say is the biggest hurdle or something that you had to overcome to get you to where you are today? I think one of the biggest hurdles that I had was pretty much just, I would say, finding a balance of like having the work and the lifestyle of like just, because my thing is I always wanted to have a, freedom and mobility. And the reason why I kind of fell back years ago was because, because I, because when 2017, I wasn't doing KRT, you know, uh, I didn't start doing KRT again, because I, I kind of fell back because it's like, I felt like I was doing all this stuff. I was very popular. I was, you know, pe people were supporting the brand, but I was robbing Peter to pay Paul sometimes, you know, I, I didn't have as much money as I would like to, to and I didn't want to work for nobody else. So the biggest hurdle for me was like, really having the pride to go out and get a regular job to help me sustain my dream again, because I, I didn't want to do, I don't want to work for nobody else. I want to do my own thing. So it's really about like being disciplined and having that, you know, uh, creative aspect to figure, to be able to see through the, the hard times. And it, really, it wasn't really no hard mm -hmm. time. It was more so just like, I know what I want to do and I, I know what I want for my, myself. So, you know, so my, my hurdle really was like, like this overcoming and, and figuring out the way to sustain myself so I can be able to do what I love to do only because I know what I like to do and I don't want to do it with nobody else but my own brand. This is something that I started from scratch. There was never no KRT before me. It was never no, you know, 
nobody that was doing the things that I was doing. It, 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 like I created this from scratch. I, I had times when I had opportunities taken away from me because they thought that I was going to promote my brand instead of their brand, you know, or when I was, a, a, when I was running my blog, you know, I had opportunities where like, well, you have your own brand, so you can't be a part of this because, you know, cause I always was pushing my own agenda, you know, and a mm -hmm. lot of people are, they, they may not like that, especially bigger brands, you know, or, so I always want to promote my own thing. So that was one of the hurdles for myself. Mm, interesting. Uh, that's, that's listen. Um, and I know a lot of people probably resonate with that of trying to figure out how to put themselves in position to do what they love. So thank you for sharing that. Um, do you have a favorite book or a book that's inspired you along your journey? A favorite book. Uh, I would say the, the Malcolm X documentary. I mean, I'm sorry, Malcolm X biography. Uh, I like that book a lot because for one, it was uh, talk about okay. Muhammad Ali in that book too. And I met Muhammad Ali and he signed the book. So that's probably, okay. that's one, probably one of my biggest and favorite moments. So when I, I read the book and I met Muhammad Ali, he signed the book. So that's, that's one of my favorite books and not because of like all the stuff that's in it. I, I probably have more books that I read that I like really resonate with or in, in tune with but that one is mm -hmm. sentimental got you got you it's one of my favorite books as well um so uh, listen um, this has been amazing man thank you so much for sharing your journey but the last question i have before we get out of here is the future what does the future look like um you know for king's rule together or queen's rule together for your overall business and brand what do you see as your future uh in the future i see us having our own like like clubhouse for one you know it's a maybe like a i don't necessarily want to have a bike shop i just want to have like a place where you can come and lounge you know we may have showers there members can come and chill uh coffee a clothing uh photography or and stuff like that in the back you know and we people meet up there for rides uh you know and establishing a more chapters in other cities as well because right now we have I would say we have about four chapters really but we have a, we have a lot of members but every every city is not like its own chapter yet because we still have, we're still growing in numbers and still growing in leadership in, in certain places uh i see it's also having just like uh creating more attire for like outside of it because because i used to do regular clothes now i'm doing cycling but now i'm kind of merging the two together and doing a little bit of regular clothes and cycling apparel and just creating that whole lifestyle of the the apparel company in general, and also offering custom for other people who want to have their their things made as well. So we just we're finalizing our our last our our two newest custom order for other clubs right now. So now people who want to uh, who are normally going to someone else now they can come to us to get their stuff made. So we're we're still on that journey as well. Uh, also establishing something where you know. I still have a KRT Cares nonprofit, uh, 5013C. So, you know, working with, with working with the youth, uh, uh, having them understand and establish a relationship within the cycling industry and not just cycling in general, just like whatever it is that they aspire to do or whatever it is they aspire to be. Like we have so many people that are inspirational. So many people like yourself, you get what I'm saying? Like, uh, just open up more doors for more people to, to, of, uh, to have more opportunities and wherever that may lead them in life.
Yeah, and you know, and I appreciate you saying that. Though that, that's, I know I said my last question, but I have to add on this though because how important is that uh, part to you in terms of giving back and reaching out? Because again, we met with you coming to share your story with uh, you know high school students here in Philadelphia. Um, so is that something that was ingrained in you from uh, from a kid, or something that you just you figured out later on that I have to share my story and give back? Like how how has that become a part of your life? I mean, I think it, it, it's embedded in me because you know. I wouldn't be who I was without the people that came before me or the people that mentored me or, or, or poured into me when I didn't think I was as great as I am. So, and sometimes you just really need somebody to open a door or you need to see an example of something so you can see success. You know, most people are successful because they see other people that are successful. You know, I won't be a king if I'm not inspiring other kings to be better or be greater. So that's important to me to give back, to, for me to, and give back may not always be, money may not always be uh time it, it can be resources or it can be you know this opportunity or it can be a like a follow it can be so many different things you know so like just yesterday i rode past a bunch of guys riding their bike and one of them had the bike on the floor i just pulled up i said hey y'all cool like, you'll be cool here i'm like, all right i knew they was they lived around me so i pulled around the block and then i uh showed them the magazine that i was in like look i see y'all they had regular bikes, no helmets, just showing them what they can do. Because because sometimes we don't know, we don't see that we can be bigger or we can be more than what it is, you know. So you got to show people that, you know, what you could possibly be, if not greater. So uh, so that's important for me for sure. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. So um, I just want to uh, thank you so much for sharing your story and um, you know giving us your time. Um, I'll make sure to put the links to everything that you've got going on in the description as well as the show notes. Okay. So you guys can go check out what Karan has going on. Um, <clears throat> I'll make sure I put his Instagram um, as well as websites and everything else that you can go check out. And just make sure you get his brother a follow. Support what he's got going on. Because, again, there's not too many folks that look like us that are within this space. And it's important that when we find someone that we definitely support what they've got going on. Um, and I just want to say much continued success to you. Um, and you know, definitely just want to say, look, proud of the work that you're doing and, uh, keep up the good work of brother. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Appreciate the opportunity. Uh, definitely. I'm glad I even came out. Cause this thing is like, I came out to that, uh, to speak at the high school and now it's a snowball effect from here and who, who knows yeah. what, what else going to come from this. You get what I'm saying? So exactly. yeah, that's the thing about putting that positive energy out there. Yep. Positive energy always travels that way, man. So to our audience out there, make sure that you give him a follow, check out everything he's got going on and support this brother. Cause he's doing amazing work. And, um, you know, he's building with the community and helping out our youth. Like, you know, so if you have any kids interested in cycling or what have you, make sure you reach out, though. Um, but for audience, audience out there, as we always say, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates. We'll see you guys on our next episode. We appreciate you so much. Peace.